I started a, a series probably at the worst time of the year uh, because of all the craziness of the holidays, but it's, it's, a, it's a piece of scripture and a piece of the history of Israel, and there's some ideas in it. It just really started as one message, and it's turned into now three messages because it has spoken to my own heart so much, and I believe it's, it's a prophetic word for, uh, for our church, for sure, but for a lot of people, because it's, it's the story in Joshua chapter 5, which I'm not going to take the time to read it, but I really would encourage you to get in and just start reading. And by the way, I would also encourage you, if you don't have, you haven't selected some kind of Bible reading plan for this year, it will help you so much to choose a plan. If you go to Version, there are just all kinds of Bible reading plans uh, that will keep you on track. And you know, if you don't, if you don't plan for it, it's going to be difficult. You're going to find yourself uh, all of a sudden having gone long periods of time without getting in the word. But anyway, Joshua chapter 5 um, is this little pause section for Israel. Uh, they have just finished their 40-year wilderness journey. They are in the next chapter about ready to start taking on their promised land. And they're in this season of transition, which I think our world is in right now. Uh, I think our nation is in a season of transition. We want certainty, and there are certain things as it relates to God and his faithfulness and that sort of thing. But the truth is, we, we don't know. We know things are changing, but we don't exactly know where it's all going to end up. And we're looking at it, and here we are in a transition. Here we are as a world, as a nation, as a church. Many of us as individuals are trying to figure out what's going on for us and where we're going to be and what, what's going to happen. And so I've been sharing ideas, and I was going to, like I said, this was going to be uh, one message. So today it is going to be one message. And uh, I only have one service, so I'm going to take as long as I want to take. And uh, I think I have something that I want that needs to be said today for sure. Uh, I'm not filling space today. I, I'm I got something that really needs to be said. So, the first thing we talked about is don't get lost in transition because sometimes when you're in the when there's a lot of uncertainty, you can lose identity, you can lose motivation, you can lose direction, you can lose a, a lot of things and. Um, my encouragement to you is don't get, don't get lost in transition. Don't, don't let the enemy take you out of your seat in the house of God in a transition season. Don't, don't make decisions in a storm that you're going to regret when the sun is shining. Second idea that uh, comes out of this is it takes a new identity to enter a new season. When I've, I've entitled this whole series and this whole concept, I identify with a new season because sometimes it's easy to identify with an old season. You know, you, you find your identity in who you used to be or th things that maybe have happened to you or that weren't uh, fortunate for you. Uh, there's a lot of people that still have an identity in an old season, but it takes a new identity 
to enter a new season. So Joshua 5, 9, the Lord said to Joshua, today I've rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has been called Gilgal to this day. So Joshua had this word come from God that the shame of Egypt, the identity of a slave is being rolled away so that a new season can be entered into. A new year is not gonna matter if it's still the same you moving into the new year. And what I found that makes the difference uh, for me is I have to keep remembering what I have and who I am in Christ and keeping that current to the situation I'm in today. Then we talked a little bit about this idea. There's a new provisions for new seasons. And, and I think this is an important idea. Joshua 5, 12 says the manna ceased. So for 40 years, manna had been falling uh, and that was how their provision was coming from God. And the manna ceased on the day after they'd eaten some of the produce of the land of Canaan so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna falling from the sky. They ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. The thing that I want us to stay on top of and have it stay on top of us is we got to remember God is a provider and provision is in his nature, but different seasons often call for different channels of provision. So the very nature of God, Genesis 22:14. remember when Abraham was going up to sacrifice his son to the Lord and the, and the ram appeared in the thicket and Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. Somebody say, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And just remembering that Provision is in the nature of God. He's always ready to provide what you need. He's the source of every provision. He just uses different channels at different times. And often, the, the greatest enemy of a new season is what worked in the old season. When, when we keep trying to carry the old into the new is when we can get ourselves in trouble. A change of season can often mean a change of provision. Uh, the next idea is, is this one, and this is probably gonna, you'll be hearing a lot about this concept for quite a bit this year. But number four, new authority for a new season. There's a new authority for a new season. So Joshua 5, verse 13, it came about when Joshua was by Jericho, he raised his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our enemies? And he said, no, I'm not for, rather I've come now as the captain of the army of the Lord. Joshua fell on his face to the ground, bowed down and said, what has my Lord to say to his servant? Joshua asked the Lord, pre-incarnate Christ, 
whose side are you on? The Lord says, I'm not here to take sides. I'm here to take over. So when somebody comes to Jesus and says, are you liberal or a conservative? Jesus says, I'm not here to take sides. I'm here to take over. Jesus, are you voting Republican or are you voting Democrat? I'm not here to take sides. There's no political party that can own Jesus. Amen. Jesus, are you for mask or not? I'm not here to take sides. Are you for vaccines or not? I'm not here to take sides. There is an authority that belongs to Jesus that is far greater than the authority of any government, any political party, any nation. Jesus said this, all authority in heaven and in earth belongs to me. And whenever we try to push Jesus in in the politics, he goes, I'm not here to take anybody's side on this one. I'm, I'm here to take over. Like I have an authority on this earth that's not expressed politically. Revelation chapter five is uh, revelation of just finished reading the end of the year, a lot of stuff in there, but this really spoke to my heart. Revelation five, verse nine, they sang a new song with these words, you are worthy. Somebody say worthy. Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll, break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have caused your people to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Jesus' authority flows out of the fact that he is worthy. I don't don't know if you're like me, but I look at a lot of the people who are holding positions of authority in our world, and I'm thinking, we have 333 million people in the United States. Surely we can do better than that. Anybody with me? I'm not against anybody, but I'm just saying... There are people that are holding positions of authority because somebody wants them to have that position. They are not necessarily worthy of that authority. They have played the game right and they've moved into a position of authority. But I'm saying to you, this is what we have to know. Out of Jesus' worthiness flows an authority to his people to reign on the earth. Jesus' church is not just a a little getaway oasis 
from all the troubles of the earth. Hopefully it is at least that. But the truth is, you and I are a kingdom of priests. All of us have the ability with priestly activity, with worship and prayer and our hearts and eyes towards heaven to release the great authority of Jesus into the earth. Prayer and worship releasing Jesus' authority, releasing heaven's authority. Hey, listen, our world needs a move of God. Our, our church needs a move of God. Many of us, you and me, in this room, we need a fresh, new, vital, right now connection with heaven's authority. A new authority for a new season. We got a few of these little books together. We're going to do 21 days of prayer, fasting. Uh, this is just a helpful little guide, six bucks, I think. We got a handful of these. If you want to use this in our next 21 days of prayer and fasting. And, you know, let me just say to you, it, 21 days, you could just say, I'm going to, I'm, maybe I'm going to turn the TV off for a little while, or maybe I get off social media for a little bit, or I'm going to stop eating this or that or the other. Just whatever. Fasting doesn't earn you more brownie points, right? Fa fasting just clears the cobwebs so that you could get tuned in better and you could dial in. And I think all of us after, after 2020 and 2021 could find ourselves going, God, I, I just need, I need a fresh connection. I, I need a fresh listening position. I, I need a fresh move of your spirit in my life. And let me just say, this is a point in a message, but the reality is through 2022, you're gonna hear us talking a lot about putting a fresh new emphasis on the prayer life of our church. Having a church that's just well organized or has cool equipment or great buildings is not enough in the day that we live in. We have got to have a move of God and we are gonna seek him for it. Anybody with me for that? All right, number five, the battle is on for a new generation. Joshua 5, 6, the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is the men of war who came out to Egypt, perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord had sworn he would not let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse seven, so their children, everybody say, so their children, whom he raised up in their place, Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised along the way. A new generation is on for a new season. The old generation of unbelievers 
has passed on. Let me take a side note till I get to what I really want to say about all this. People who've been part of your past don't always make it to the new season with you. Some people are just part of your life for a season, and that's okay. But what I see happening here is they are about ready to move into a a new season of conquest, a new season of authority, a new season of provision, a new season of God moving in their life like never before. And the battle is on for the heart of the next generation. And I don't know, I don't think I have to go through a million stats, I'll go through a few to help us understand the battle is on for our kids, for our grandkids, for for the next generation. These stats are not super current but they're relatively current, and I think it can tell us something. Of of the the generations that are confessing faith in Christ, 35% of baby boomers are confessing faith in Christ. 11% of Gen X is confessing faith in Christ. 4% of Gen Y is confessing faith in Christ. The Gen Y, the the millennials, are the largest generation ever in American history. And I don't know if you could connect the dots, but when you have the largest generation in American history and only 4% of them are in pursuit of Jesus... We are on a collision course for something that is not very good. If only 4% of the largest generation is saved, I'm just here to say we are in need of a significant move of God in the next generation. And there are, there's a battle going on for the heart of the next generation. They are being taught that they can choose their own sexuality when they're four, five, six years old. There's, when, when kids are five years old, one day they think they're Batman, the next day they think they're Superman. A couple years ago, the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir put a song together, and in their song, they said, make no mistake, we're coming for your children. And when people stood up to it and said, hold up, just a minute, they just tried to push it off like, oh, we're just having fun. But make no mistake, the world is coming after our kids. 
one of the things that has troubled my heart in the past couple of years is to watch how many of our great kids who grew up in church, stood at the front, jumped up and down, shouted for Jesus, have dropped out of church. And I'm thinking, what is going on? If there ever was a day for us to reach out and love on and minister to and pray for and pay a price for the next generation, this is that day. It's time. And I just, I just want to issue a, a call, a clarion call to, to our hearts to say, we have got to do something to reach the next generation. We got to serve them. We got to give toward them. We got to support ministry for them. We got to engage with them. We got to pray for them. I'm saying we are at a point, not just in our church, but I know many churches, we're just taking this too lightly. And I'm I'm asking, some of you guys think, that's not my ministry. Maybe you might need to rethink. I'm, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to invade a bunch of our hearts and minds and recognize what we're up against and the battle that is in front of us. I'm asking God to give us laborers for the harvest, right? The future of the church is gonna be held in the hands of the next generation. I mean, I'm getting older, not old, older. At some point, somebody got to take the baton and run. And I'm saying, we stand at a, at, a, at a threshold that is very significant. We can't just be playing kids' church or playing church. Is this okay for the first Sunday of 2022? Just, we, can, we can either give the next generation the platform they need to build the greatest churches that have ever been built and launch the greatest ministries and endeavors for the kingdom of God that have ever been seen, or their hearts could be won to stupid, lesser things that don't matter at all, and their potential gets wasted. I, I mean, I'm really calling our church to pray, calling our church to serve the next generation. We can, we can make a difference. We can empower them. We can send them in to do great exploits for God. And this message is not for someone else. This message is for you. 
I love you. This message is for you. You might be saying, ah, no, not me for kids ministry. No, don't say that. Maybe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you because it's time to identify with a new season. We got to put some time into it. We got to put some love into it. We got to put some financial resources into it. We got to put our best efforts into it. The great resignation that has moved across our culture has certainly moved across our kids' ministry. Honestly, we've got probably less than 50 workers in our kids' ministry. We need 100, like right now. And I, my heart just breaks when I see the millennial crowd just drifting away from God, drifting away from church, drifting away from biblical values. And I'm looking at Joshua and what God is calling him to do in that transition to get them ready to start taking the promised land. And we're, this year is gonna find us putting a, a lot of effort. We've already put a lot of effort, but we're gonna put a lot more effort into raising the standard in kids' ministry and the quality of the ministry we give to them. Our kids deserve it. Our kids need it. The, the church deserves it. The purpose of God deserves it. Come on, and we, we, we have a decision to make. I almost, I thought Jessica's gonna preach my message. Because it's easy to postpone this. Ah, uh, it'll pass. It's not passing. It's gotta be met head on. Psalm 112 says this, praise the Lord, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. The descendants of the upright being mighty on earth. The generation of the upright being blessed. This is a biblical theme, this legacy of descendants. God is referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. In other words, there's God's done something in, my, in a generation before me and God's done something in my generation and God wants to do something in the next generation I can't, I can't do it all in my generation. I'm, I'm asking you to consider with me that the descendants of the upright will be mighty on the earth. We're not asking people to serve in kids' ministry so a warm body could babysit a kid while their parents listen to messages. We want our descendants to be mighty in the earth. And I realize it doesn't all happen at church. It ha a lot of it happens at home. 
Oh, most of it. But I'm, I'm making a call that we would see the potential in that little three-year-old and that little five-year-old and that little fourth grader and realize our descendants are carrying our legacy. The next generation carries legacy. So of course there's a battle on for the heart of our descendants. Most of you know the story of when we bought our piece of land here and we discovered that the Methodists were having camp meetings here in the late 1800s and we purchased this land and we began to realize that we were the answer to the prayers and the sacrifice and the work of a previous generation. We are their legacy. We are the answer to their prayers. And the truth is, we're all the legacy of somebody. Somebody, somebody prayed for us. I remember my next door neighbor, she dropped on her. I mean, she, one night she came, I, she told me this the next day, I'm in, I'm in the car with a bunch of my buddies in the driveway. It's one o'clock in the morning. Smoke is blow, blowing out. I'm not going to tell you what kind of smoke it was, but it was, it was, you know what it was. And she walked out and to her kitchen to get a glass of water and saw us there and just fell on her knees and said, God, would you touch Kirk? And, and she said, the Holy Spirit told, the Holy Spirit said, I, I'm gonna use him. When she told me that the next day, I said, ain't nobody gonna use me. That's how much I knew about it all. <laughs> but I am part of her legacy. And now here we have a chance. We could just play church and show up every once in a while when it's convenient. Or we could say, start considering, can I leave a legacy in the next generation? Can I love on these kids? Can I pray for these kids? Can I support ministry to these kids? Hey, I'm asking you, what legacy will you leave? What will your legacy be? We gotta get thinking just beyond immediacy. We live in fast food nation, right? What do you mean my hamburger's not ready? I just ordered it 90 seconds ago. We start a video on social media, and if it, if it spins for 15 seconds and doesn't start, we move on. I do. I'm asking you to consider the value of the next generation. Not just our children, but our children's children. Come on, can anybody see there's a battle on for a new generation? Mm. Lord Jesus, Help us. Last thing I want to talk about today is number six. To identify with a new season takes a renewed heart of covenant for a new season. So Joshua 5, 
verse 2 and 3, says, At that time the Lord told Joshua, Make flint knives, circumcise this second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel at Gibeath Haraloth. Seven different times, really, probably a lot of people would look at this passage of Scripture, Joshua 5, and say, this is the main idea. Over seven different times, the idea of being, oh, this whole generation being circumcised in order to prepare them for a new season is mentioned. And often you find this happening in biblical history that God would call a new season, a new battle, is in front of you, and that's, we're going to push refresh on our dedication. We're going to push refresh on our relationship with God. Circumcision in the New Testament was physical. That, that was the outward sign that you were in covenant with God. But the Bible brings us to this in the New Testament, Romans 2 28 and 29, he's not a Jew who's one outwardly, nor a circumcision, that which is outward in the flesh, but he's a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter, and his circumcision is not from people, but from God. New Testament there's a circumcision of your heart. It, the heart covenant of an old season has to be renewed for this season. I've been a believer for 40 some odd years. Here's what I've discovered. Occasionally, you gotta stop and build an altar right here. Because the altar that worked when I was 20 years old and single isn't the same altar as when I got married or when we, our kids started coming along or when our kids moved out of the house. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. I read this the other day. I've read it a million times. I don't know why it spoke to me. I hope it speaks to you. Revelation 3.20, Jesus, not speaking to unbelievers, but speaking to his church, says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. I believe today Jesus stands at the door of your heart and my heart and is knocking. Hey, can I come in? Like, not... Did you get saved when you were 12 or two years ago or 20 years ago? But can I, can, would you let me in right now? Yeah. 
It says, all I got to do, if, if I open the door, he'll come in. And he said, we're going we're gonna to share some meals together. I'm just saying to you, I feel like Jesus is knocking at the door of my heart and my life right now. And he's saying, I, I, want you to, I want you to push refresh on your commitment to prayer, on your commitment to the ministry of the word. And I'm, I, I believe there's going to be some good meals ahead. And I, you know, we're all in different places, different things happening. Jesus, I believe, is saying to all of us today, I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. I'm I'm not asking you to create a new season. I want to take you into a new season. Would would you just really let me in? I want you to bow your heads, if you would, please. You know, whatever, whatever happens in 2022, I believe none of it is taking God by surprise. He's still at work. He's still calling you and me to himself and to the advancement of his kingdom in the earth. Father, I'm praying for me. I'm praying for us. Jesus, you're standing at the door and knocking. I want to let you in. I am praying that every heart, every life, every person is answering the same. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, it's the first Sunday of 2022. I believe Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. Maybe you've never surrendered to him before. I'd love to pray with you. Maybe you used to be close to God, closer than you are now. But you know it's time to open the door to push refresh. Or maybe you just don't know where you really stand with God, but you wanna know. Nobody's looking around just a few moments left in today. But if you say, Pastor, really, would you pray with me? I want to I receive Jesus as the Lord of my life. I want to come back to him. I want to know for sure I'm right with him. I want to let him in. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. Pray for me. Come on, everybody all across the room, right where you are. Thank you. All over the room. Come on, anybody else just want to say Yes. To Jesus, just want to open up your heart. Thank you. Hey, let's say a prayer together. This is for those who lifted their hands, but 
I'd like for everybody to say this with me. Everybody go, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your lordship. I need you. I want you in my life as my Lord. I hear you knocking. I'm opening up the door to let you in. I know I've sinned. I come to the cross where you've paid the price for my forgiveness. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.